Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, uh, an OU fan podcast. <laughs> I am Peyton Guthrie, one of the hosts, joined as always with Alan Kinney and Matt Burden. Uh, we've had our NFL podcast, we didn't have NFL podcasts, we had the NFL playoffs that kind of pushed our recording back till Tuesday. Uh, the NFL junkies had to get their fix. Uh, but to you two, Matt, did the playoffs happen the way you wanted them to happen? I mean, I'm assuming you're a Cowboys friend, so you're not going to wave that ship into the night. Okay, (laughs) sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Well, you're a Duke fan, so I just assumed it was Duke, Yankees, Cowboys, (laughs) Lakers, and Lakers. Lakers, No, yeah. No, 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 no. I am not a – Duke is my only bandwagon uh, that I I ever hopped on. But, uh, no, not a fan of the Cowboys, so I thought that was – I mean, it's almost like a perfect – it was almost a perfect storm. You know, just the shit show that happened towards the end. I mean, it was it was almost a perfect encapsulation of the Cowboys. Like it was just hilarious. It couldn't have ended ended in a, any other way, really. So uh, that that was fun to watch. I mean, Zeke Elliott just getting blown up at the end by linebacker. Like I don't even get what they were trying to do. Uh, I saw a perfect tweet by the way of the um, of the whole Cowboys situation. It was like. Imagine how bad of a coach Mike McCarthy would would have been if he didn't spend a year mo- uh, mastering the modern football. Because <laughs> like, you remember that was the big deal. Like Jerry yeah. Jones hired him because he was like spent two years away from the game just studying yeah. and mastering modern football. And the dude was like, "Yeah, imagine how bad of a coach he would have been if he wouldn't have done that." And uh, <laughs> and he's still a really bad coach. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. just like there's no way like like does Jerry just fire him and hire Sean Payton? Like (laughs) he might as well, right? He might as well at this point. Let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and get uh, Alan in here. uh, Talk about the Cowboys too. Alan, uh, how's it going, man? How'd the games treat you? Oh, you know, I mean, they're fine. It was, you know, typical playoff football. I, uh, uh, I mean, like I, I honestly barely watched any of the Cowboys game. Um, and uh you know that uh, that the snow man that buffalo game i mean man the bills have got to figure out something like they're gonna have yeah. to do something different man like and the, the funny thing is like you know everybody kind of raised about josh allen and what a great like you know how, how it's like one of the very very few cases of like taking a quarterback with really raw tools and molding him into like this really effective starter but i mean I don't know, man, a couple years in a row now where he's bowing out early. Like, uh, just that, that's one team I'm, I'm really interested to see where they go. Um, and then what, what I guess, what were the, oh yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the Eagles blowing out, uh, New York was like as predictable as predictable gets. Yep. And then, you know, I guess what you also had cheat. Yeah. Cheat. I mean, that injury with Mahomes looked bad, man. Uh, he just, the second half, he had nothing there. So, you know, one thing that is interesting to me though, is like, you always hear a lot of talk about like how football has moved to this passing you know, pass oriented game now. And in, in a lot of ways, I think that's right. But it seems like when important games come up, man, the teams that run the ball well are always the ones that are in, that are winning, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's just one of those things like I can't, it's hard to square with the way people view modern football. Yeah, I want to bring that up a little bit later. But yeah, that that's the style of it. You know, in, in my mind, I hold Dallas and the Buffalo Bills kind of like in the same issue. They both have you know, genetic super freaks as their quarterbacks who can do everything. 
but they're kind of asking those quarterbacks to do everything. So it's like that Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. style offense when really you don't want your quarterback <laughs> doing that stuff. You want them passing yeah. the ball, getting out of the way. Uh, it, it just seems so surprising that a team in Buffalo, New York, which gets like, you know, 30,000 feet of snow every year, can't run the football or just doesn't seem to care about wanting to do it. Uh, it, it seems very, right. very strange uh, at that point in time. But the Bills, that that's probably the most shocking, the shocking. I kind of thought, because Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Cool, all that type of stuff. I mean, yeah. you, know, uh, you, you thought he would be the, you get it figured out, but I didn't think they'd win the game in that manner, I guess. It's like, oh, see, I was, on, I was on the Bills. I, I, I laid the points with the Bills. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, just one of these deals where, you know, I, I really think that the Bengals should have lost the week before. Uh, yes. Yes. hundred so, percent. You know, I, I was, I was all ready to go, but man, yeah, they just, uh, they got alligator blood when it comes to playoffs, don't they? They do. I mean, and that's the thing too. They're talking about Josh Allen. I mean, he's in, he's in a, what, a conference with Mahomes, Joe, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the Mr. Goldilocks can't remember his Herbert. name. Jaguars. Oh, Herbert. 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 Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Herbert. Trevor I mean, it's Lawrence, like yeah. That entire conference up and down. Lot, yeah. You know, and, and who's the best, who's the best quarterback in the NFC? Uh, Aaron, I guess Aaron Rodgers. Tampa, right. I mean, Rodgers, I Brady? guess. Rodgers yeah. right now is going to be Jalen well, Hurts right now. Jalen Hurts? Hurts yeah. right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Although, yeah. Let, yeah. I don't want to, yeah. We, I mean, for, you know, famously OU quarterback Jalen Hurts. <laughs> no <laughs> oh, conversation so about it at all. <laughs> so that is dumb. so dumb. God, who the hell cares, man? Uh, apparently a lot of people, apparently a lot of people who spend $8 a month on Twitter care. <laughs> he played, he played at both places. Both places are going to use him as like, you know, put him on yeah, the recruiting, recruiting poster. Everything. and yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And it's okay. It doesn't it's matter. Fine. It's totally fine. Um, so I, I, we'll move on into the show now. We have some. Uh, this is a little bit more of like a radio show uh, this week, a little bit. So uh, not we're, we're not sticking on to like one or two topics. So guys, hang on for the ride. Um, not just all OU, but we're going to start off with potentially some controversy, in my opinion. Uh, TCU hires former uh, Arkansas OC Kendall Bryles to be their uh, associate head coach and offensive coordinator. So he had to get a, a job promotion, you know, title wise at least, in order to come down to Fort Worth. Uh, it's completely surprising to me that a private Christian school in the middle of Texas um, would hire its dreaded rivals, most successful disgraced coach's son to be their offensive coordinator. But here we are. There are no rules to this as long as you can win football games. Uh, you know, my, my personal opinion before I toss it to, you know, over the Allen is that this is just kind of a disgrace to a certain degree, you know, especially on like the, the personal and morality level. But then on the football level, it seems like Kendall Bryles was just trying to reset the clock <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, he, you know, he, he's leaving Arkansas, and it wasn't a bunch of people like death clawing to kind of keep him keep him there. Uh, uh, you know, in, in the other state over. Uh, Alan, do you have any like thoughts about this about TCU? I mean, is this just a symptomatic of we have to keep the football train rolling because it's a money maker, and we have to do whatever we can to keep packing up yards and touchdowns and wins and able to keep this thing going? Uh, and, and should that matter when someone like Bryles? Yeah, well, I've hated, you know, I always hate when scandals like this break. I hate one, you know, I mean, obviously the story is terrible in and of itself and, and all the things that went into it. But then it becomes like this football for, for you know, grandstanding by rival fans about how you know how that's their you know this other school's problem and you know it just show, goes to show how how dirty and, and down down dirty they are where like the real issue here was Baylor getting caught up in you know uh, uh, I mean showing a complete just uh, abdication of responsibility when it came to sexual assault on campus and you know the people who tend to get up on soapboxes about this i doubt they're at like take back the night rallies and whatnot or what have you i mean like i i just i i i just don't buy it's it's very easy to it's very easy to use this to you know kind of uh out condemn the next person to you know kind of make your make your points so on that one um yeah, I've just you know, it, like it's some kind of contest to see who's more affronted by and and just uh, 
you know, disgusted by the whole thing. I mean, it's not, I've never, I've, I've always hated that. And lo and behold, you know, within years of, you know, breaking, I mean, you have OU <laughs> hiring Jeff Levy as its offensive coordinator. You have uh, Texas hiring Casey Horney, uh, who was, uh, you know, some kind of support staffer at Baylor, you know, hiring him for, you know, a position there on the football staff. You have now you have Kendall Bryles getting passed around, you know, hopping from place to place. Uh, and nobody was more adamant about what a scumbag uh, our Bryles was than Gary Patterson and the rest of the TCU fan base. So it, it you know, the everybody in this is just, I don't know, there's so much posturing that goes on about it. I mean, I, what I find odd about this situation it's not that Bryles, Kendall Bryles would want to get out of Arkansas because it seems like there's just a lot of weird stuff going on there. Uh, but that this is how Sonny Dykes would want to spend all the goodwill that he just <laughs> garnered, you know, as, you know, national coach of the year, taking TCU the national championship game. I mean, to do this, does, I, I just can't imagine that Kendall Bryles is such a great offensive mind that Sonny Dykes really needs him on staff uh, as opposed to other candidates out there. Yeah, it makes me think it's it's kind of. I'm I'm trying to trying to put this into into phrasing just from a pure football standpoint because like I, I personally personally dislike that that Levy is on the staff at the University of Oklahoma. That's fine. He he calls a good offensive game. You know, he, he's had some sputters and stuff, but generally. Well, well above average offense. Like you really can't be too upset about it if you look at just raw numbers. But it makes me kind of think maybe it's you know Sonny Dykes looking at it kind of how Lane Kiffin looked at Bryles originally of saying I've got the passing game figured out. I need somebody else to make sure the running game stays that part of it, and, that, and that's you know why you bring him on. You know that's why um, you know that's why Levy kept getting hired and stuff. It's it's more of this guy is bringing that rushing offense at Baylor, which everyone seems to remember the passing, but the rushing is where it, it made most of its money uh, in bringing that kind of package stuff um, into it. The, the issue for me, especially when you have somebody like, I mean, man, it, could you go to a, a different style of quarterback, Chandler Morris from uh, Jefferson? I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, is that mm -hmm. style going to carry over the entire way? And uh, I mean, if you really, really look hard at, you know, Arkansas's season, they had some really explosive games, but they're all against teams that are in like 90, you know, 90th overall defense and higher. <laughs> they, they didn't, they, they weren't like super efficient against the meat of that schedule, which, I mean, a fair credit, no one expected them to do great this year against the meat of their schedule. So maybe that's just part of the course type of thing. And they handled the bad teams that you're supposed to handle them. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it feels like it's like you said. It's it's a it's a weird way of spending that karma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, and let me let guy. yeah. And let me let me clarify. Like what what I mean when I say like I I hate the way rival fans react to this kind of thing is that like the real issue here again is you know ignoring that sexual assault abdicating responsibility for it on on Baylor's part. If you really are that upset about this issue, which is you know obviously a, an enormous problem like there are better ways to do something about it than popping on a message board and writing about how dirty baylor is or getting on twitter and and calling out baylor's fans and all, i mean like do something about it like in real life like think about like if you're if you're a parent think about the messages that you're sending to your kids all that kind of stuff like you know being being outraged about you know football players and and students in general male students in general like running rampant on a campus like i mean that that's that's not exactly like you know breaking moral moral ground or anything like that yeah it's like when you get the martin luther king day off martin luther king jr day yes. off you just sit around <laughs> like that's not the yeah. point of the day. <laughs> or, yeah <laughs> uh it, my my company does not do that sadly so i have to work on monday uh work on those days uh, but the thing that i mean another thing that really really popped up that made me want to add this to the show note we've been talking about this a, a bit longer than i thought was uh who was the the fort worth uh writer who wrote 
that he would hire Art Bryles right now is like Mark. Oh, uh, Mac Angle. Yeah. It's just, it's just insane. Just, I I can't believe a newspaper would say, sure, (laughs) put that on our website. Uh, it just doesn't make any way, any shape, uh, anything whatsoever. If you guys haven't read it, don't yeah. go read it. Yeah, don't <laughs> leave bother. it alone. Uh, it, it's a, a complete. Uh, I don't know. Dis- he's been that guy's display. been a hot take artist though forever, and he's been he's been writing for them forever. I mean, it's just one of those things. Uh, so talking, yeah. Now we get clear our throats of that. Uh, uh, Alan wanted to talk a little bit about an uh, an article or, or a hypothesis of what it would be like if OU were to move to, to the SEC immediately next year, right? Is, is that what we're talking about? Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, this is more kind of playing off Barry Trammell's article. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys read it. Uh, from, I believe it's published over the weekend about uh, why there's no Big 12 football schedule for 2023 yet. Uh, and, you know, this sounds honestly to me like the most rational explanation, which is that OU and in Texas are kind of using it, particularly on OU's end. It sounds like OU is kind of spearing this to um, come to some kind of resolution on OU's membership in the Big 12. Uh, you know, the idea being that, you know, they want to have something in place before they drop this schedule. Uh, it's kind of a weird, you know, so, you know, the the idea, first of all, is, you know, maybe there's a chance that you could play in the SEC in 2023. It's, I I'm assuming that's very small, but you've got to think that like, yeah, they've already, SECs are at least it's 2023 schedule, but yeah. you've got to think that, you know, Greg Sankey and ESPN have done something, you know, back channeling, have some kind of model that they could throw out there uh, that would, that, you know, could possibly switch things around. Um, but, you know, looking at for the big 12, obviously Fox is going to have a huge problem with just giving up to programs like that. Um, but, you know, Trammell's Trammell's you know position was like if OU's in this kind of reloading or rebuilding phase, like why not take your lumps in the SEC as opposed to in the Big Twelve? And it's an interesting it's it's an interesting idea to me, and I kind of get where he's going now. Like, look at for example, if OU let's take this year's OU team, right? Like six and six in the regular season, twelve games say that you put this team this season in or pardon me from the this team from the 2022 season in the sec right so would they have had like the same record a similar record i, I mean i kind of think you know it, probably like you pick up one extra non-conference body bag game so you get a fcs team like you know i, I don't know florida AM or something and then you know that just means just to match the record they had in the Big 12 this year, they'd need to win two out of eight SEC games. And again, you know, yes, life is going to be harder in the SEC for OU, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be harder to put together a good record. I mean, somehow, some way, OU's not going to be playing Alabama and Georgia every week in the SEC. I think that they could have found two wins from uh, some collection of eight teams in there. So, Again, just something that uh, it, it's a it's an interesting thing, and and the way though it's funny just that this idea that the schedule is now uh, you know kind of a, a leverage point for these negotiations was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, how it's been explained to me basically is that OU in Texas, um, in order to leave, the exit fee is two years of. Uh, of TV money, right? Uh, so it's $80 million a, a team to, to, to get out of this. But if you were to leave it out to 2025, then there's then the grant of rights leaves out and then there's no deal to that. Mm-hmm. And so OU and Texas are able to hold that and say, we could just wait and then you get no money <laughs> to a certain yeah. degree. You get no extra stuff and you're bringing in all these other you know, schools in which aren't being matched fully. I mean, if they wanted to continue to expand or add a couple of guys, those aren't being prorated via Fox, at least. ESPN has said they would. Fox will not. So you can kind of see that the Big 12 is kind of, kind of banking on that $80 million, you know, $160 million <laughs> uh, yeah. to, to kind of float some of these things. With OU Texas, yeah, we'll just wait and sit. Then you're kind of what? You're kind of like a, what, like a prisoner's dilemma type of thing. Uh, like mm. who, the Mexican standoff, yeah. I guess, who blinks first about what happens. 
and they're going to have to come to an impasse at that point in time. But uh, it, it, it is strange that this hasn't, I mean, I guess it is a full talking point there. You're right. Matt, I mean, Matt, have you heard anything or, I mean, what's the scuttlebutt uh, at the flagship radio station? Uh, I have, I have heard zero. I have heard zero on this, <laughs> on this, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I get where Trammell's coming from though. I, I, I think not that going six and six is a good look in any conference, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you'd much rather go six and six losing to like uh, Alabama and, uh, or Tennessee or, or whoever this year than you know you you taking losses at west virginia at tech at you know all these places not so i'm not saying six and six is a good look for ou in any conference but um i, I guess if you would route you would rather probably just go ahead and head to the sec if like i, I think that's kind of where i'm at just rather go there take your lumps you know and start really start recruiting with that sec logo officially on your on your jersey Right. Yeah. And like, I think part of what, you know, Trammell pointed out is that, you know, we're talking about really, I mean, the biggest transition, like, I think there's a lot about the transition to the SEC that's probably overstated for OU. But I mean, we are talking about playing a different mentality or different style of football, right? And right now, you know, to be fair to Brent Venables, he's really kind of like, walking through two worlds right like yes he's trying to build a team that can compete in that type of arena but those types of teams and building those types of teams that's not necessarily uh the most advantageous way to play in the big 12 right so he's got kind of this dilemma where he's trying to win now and also trying to build you know for the future and the two are kind of at odds um, in, in my opinion. Now, one last thing to keep in mind too is like, think about what the potential, you know, Big 12 schedule might look like for OU in 2023. Like, let's just take a handful of teams. Like, let's say it's, oh, I don't know, just, just spit on here, BYU or um, no, how about home games against like, let's see, UCF, maybe TCU, <laughs> um, you know, maybe Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, and then one more, right? So uh, not OSU. It can't be OSU. Can't be Kansas State. Can't be Baylor. Did I say TCU already? Yes, yeah, Texas Tech. TCU. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, so maybe Texas Tech, TCU, Iowa State, and UCF. Let's say that's OU's home schedule, right? I mean, like that's that's a that's not going to be an easy sell if you're OU's athletic department, and on top of that, like you, you got to be. I think that one upside here would be okay. Maybe you can't get to the SEC in twenty twenty three, but if you have a definitive agreement in place, also for OU to be going in twenty twenty four, that kind of offsets maybe some of the melees among or you know among donors, fans that kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel for this, you know. Yeah, and then you also think about like you you gave the the home slate. You know, the road slate would be something like Cincinnati, BYU, Kansas, Kansas State. And then you have the obviously yeah. the neutral site game. So it's like, oh, I mean, that's, you, that's, well, something, that's something I've heard. Yeah, OSU, yeah, it's something I've heard. You had to have to remove Cincinnati or maybe, but it's something I've heard in the scheduling. And you know, you, everyone hears stuff. It's basically there, there's, you know, there's a version of the schedule where OU does not go into the state of Texas at all. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, as, you know, as an institution, who recruits Texas heavier than any other you know state in it? You know it recruits. It's like no, that that just can't happen. Like it's you, you're totally screwing yeah. over a school by doing that. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's the reason why when the Pac-12, I mean, I guess they still have USC, and that's why they put them in different. You know, they had every school rotate through those the LA. I mean, you have to put them mm-hmm. in that. You have to put a conference in those talent rich areas to not for the lifeblood of everybody. Um, but yeah, I. I I, I guess on that part of it, yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, if 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 I could wave a magic wand, um, that Georgia OU game wouldn't be canceled. They'd be playing as a conference game, <laughs> uh, and yeah. OU would just get its ass handed to itself. But 
it wouldn't be getting beat by TCU. It'd be getting beat by Georgia. So it it's something I could yeah. swallow as a fan a little bit better. Like, and if like OU is going to have a better team this year, for example, I mean, I don't think that if OU, yes, the yeah. problem, part of the problem, if OU loses six games in 2023, OU's got bigger problems than just, yes, 100%. just that, right? I mean, but like if OU is going to be a better team this year, I mean, and, you know, I think that the one difference in if you you know 2023 is maybe OU could get a very similar record in either way. The one difference would be a similar record in the Big 12. Like if OU can get to nine or ten wins, I mean, maybe at that point you're talking about uh, you know uh, having a shot to win the conference title in the Big 12. I don't think that would be good enough in the SEC. Yeah. Well, you've got me. We I don't have it on the show notes, and it it's all all buzz the Twitter world right now. So I want to toss this in there like a grenade. Um, it's SEC tied. It's a, a coordinator at the University of Oklahoma tied. This has nothing to do with anything <laughs> whatsoever. This is a, as fairy tale dreamland as everything. This will not happen. I'm just going to broach the conversation as the, the highest hypothetical ever, just so I don't get called an idiot uh, on the internet. Uh, but last time I said something would never happen, uh, OU was then hiring Brent Venables as its head coach. <laughs> so you know there are smoke there are rumors that uh levy's agent who i believe is working overtime <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah. uh, you know it, it there it, there's keeps smoke keeps happening about levy to to alabama and if you haven't heard those rumors those are rumors out there from my understanding that's all they are they're rumors of rumors to a certain degree you know a whisper on the wind um if ou had to move away from that to from levy do you guys have somebody in the back of your head or a style of offense that you would like OU to start approaching to start make, thinking, Hey, is there a chance we can use this as a different type of reset? Cause you know, it's not like the Levy system is fully entrenched. It's still just year, you know, 1.1 or something. Uh, have you have you guys thought about what life would be like if you could change? Oh, if you could basically that I'm trying to ask a question very ham fistedly, what would be your offense? at the University of Oklahoma, if you could pick, Alan? Oh, me? Um, I don't know. I'm very agnostic about schemes, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that, I, I think that there's – we, we've kind of become scheme fetishists in, in a certain sense because it, it we, everybody's looking for, like, the, this one perfect scheme to kind of unlock every the potential of everything – you know, no, you, it, it, it's all about the guys who are, who are, you know, on the field deploying that scheme in my mind. I mean, you know, they, you can put them in, in advantageous positions, but there's no, I, nothing ideal out there. So, you know, I mean, I would just be looking for guys who have, uh, you know, good track records of, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting together productive offenses. I, there, there's probably a lot of them out there. What about you, Matt? You have anything in your back, in the back of your pocket of this no, question I mean- I'm tossing at you immediately? Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with Alan, just someone who has a good track record. I, I don't have any names, like just off the top of my head, with the few seconds that I got on, the, on this yeah. question here, but uh, I really don't have any names or anything like that. But I, for me, I don't know, just someone who is someone who one is, is like young and hungry, like ready to like come in do the work, um, you know, and, I don't know. Hungry is the big is the biggest thing for me. Like someone who's going to come in and be eager. I don't, I don't want. I don't want OU going out and hiring like a Bill O'Brien or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I want so you yeah. know a young up and coming guy that is hungry, ready to work, but has a good track record. Now that's asking a lot, right? That's that's a lot, and there's probably not that many guys who have that sort of uh, track record. But uh, something like something like that for me would be uh, would be ideal. Let's just look at like scoring offense real quick. Like, is there any hope? The uh, Grub is that the guy at Washington? That would be a good one. I I I just I don't know. I like Kalen DeBoer's the way he he approaches stuff really well. Um, Uh, I would basically give you a chance to maybe try to Google some stuff if you could basically find, I don't know, like the wide receivers coach or something uh, that has spent enough time in the same hallway as Kyle Shanahan. That's yeah. what I. That's what I right. just love. Love OU to be able to move towards, where you're becoming mm-hmm. less QB dependent to a certain degree. That said, your recruiting would. I mean, your recruiting would have to take off <laughs> on the O line mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. You'd have to start developing more of the uh, the Georgia model to a certain degree 
to where the quarterback can be a Brock Purdy <laughs> and it still keeps mm-hmm. humming, you know, to a certain degree. Um, I, I think any offense. Oh, I, I got a good one. I got a yeah, good one. Go for it. Go for it. Brian, Brian Johnson, the uh, quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the uh, offense coordinator at Florida in 2020. And he was also, I think he was the coordinator at Utah, Houston, Mississippi state. Yeah. That that's one for sure. He would be on my list. I mean, he's on. The list. I know it's an NFL guy, but that would be one guy I would go after hard. But NFL guy who has recently been at a, you know, in, in college, uh, he led the Gators to their most uh, highest passing uh, offense in history. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, look at that. It's pretty good. You, mentioned, you mentioned being around Kyle Shanahan um, yeah. as, a, as a wide receivers coach. Uh, he's not there anymore. But if you want to get a little nuts, Wes Welker was the wide receivers coach at, <laughs> at the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> now with the Dolphins. So, Peyton, I feel like, I feel like you're trying to tell me you want Wes Welker, and I, I want to hey. get a little nuts. I want to get a Bring little nuts home. with you, man. Yeah. Bring him home. Bring him home. We didn't, you know, he 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 didn't. He should have played at OU. Bring him home now. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring the local Bring, Charles uh, own or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was he's he's a, a Cherokee tribal member, I believe. Maybe Chickasaw. He's I mean, he he can fit right in there. Uh, I'm actually going to put an earmark on Brian Johnson. He does seem he does seem to kind of fit the bill to a certain degree and able to mm-hmm. take. Jalen Hurts, but again, that type of offense does seem to be super QB dependent. But you're taking Jalen Hurts type, um, who obviously put in a lot of work. Well, but he's, and he's also running the MVP. hell out of football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. that 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 was a little side topic. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't like a you know a senior scoop article doesn't start a thread doesn't start saying Peyton saying Levy's going somewhere else and he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the next one about coach who. <laughs> Did actually happen. Josh Heupel, $9 million a year until 2029 at the University of Tennessee. That is a lot of money <laughs> for anybody. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not see this happening for Josh. It, I did not see uh, this type of money. Did not see any of this stuff. And for all the Tennessee fans who are so jumping for joy, patting themselves on the back, you didn't want him. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I remember when he got hired, you were pissed. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but, they you know, went way down the list, way yes, down the list to get him. Yes. Uh, and they got it and he figured it out and he capitalized. So, so good on him. I mean, um, you know, Matt, what's it like? I mean, you're, you're the resident, resident young one here. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, so wet behind the ears when Josh was playing. Uh, and what's it like seeing this now from, from your perspective, seeing him basically disgraced offensive coordinator at the University of Oklahoma gets fired. I think the first coordinator fired by Bob Stoops because all of them left voluntarily or something before there's like a little track record for Bob for a while uh to now nine million bucks a year man I I think it's awesome man um you know I'm happy for him it listen it it didn't work at OU and it wasn't it wasn't working at OU so I mean like I I get the move at the time and then you come in hire Lincoln Riley and you know and we're, we're here now um but I mean, I just think I just think it good for him. Like that, that's all I can really say. And good for Josh Heupel, man, because like, yeah, from where he was at OU, where I mean, he's the last quarterback to win the national title for OU, and for the fan base to be like, man, thanks so much for that, but please get out of here. Like, please get out of here. It's just mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's been it's just been an awesome like redemption story for him, to be honest. And now saying that, over under like. Like, does he even make it to the end of that contract? We'll see. We'll see. Because Tennessee fans and SEC fans in general can be a little bit uh, fickle. No, there's no way. There's no way whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, Alan, what's your – how how many years does he make into this contract up into 2029? If you were to put – if you're a wager, you had to put over and under on that. Three and a half? 2029, huh? Yeah, let's let's go three and a half right now, yeah. Um, No, you know, it's – I mean, the amazing parts to me, you know, I think that Josh Heupel got candid OU, not necessarily because of the team's performance as much as other stuff kind of with other dynamics within the staff and the need to, um, you know, shake things up a little bit and, you know, uh, especially like on the recruiting trail, right? And that kind of goes back to like my skepticism about him ever working out as a head coach because, I mean, he was, he just, 
he did not appear to have a CEO <laughs> or a, you know, leader type demeanor uh, whenever I saw him like in front of the media. Right. For example. Yeah. Um, now that's kind of a, that's kind of a, that's kind of a ridiculous way to measure things, but he just didn't fit that type. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, I mean, there was never any doubt in my mind that he was really good at cooking up offense at scheming stuff up. I mean, you know, the, the word in the coaching community was always like, there was nobody better on the whiteboard, right. Than than hypo. I mean, he could draw stuff up that would knock your socks off. That's what happened. You know, for example, in that, uh, Sugar Bowl game against Alabama where OU came out with some just unbelievable looks and just brilliant stuff. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, it, it is kind of one of these moves though. Now we're getting into these contracts where like, uh, you know, I guess they, they didn't necessarily go overboard, which is good uh, in terms of length, but still a lot of money. And I'm assuming it's all guaranteed. I mean, it's just, you, you better you better be better be sure about him yeah i mean he puts him in uh i believe top 10 of uh coaches in college football i mean at, at mm. nine million dollars a year uh at least he had a chance i mean i, I will say the, the be for sure thing you had at least chance to walk him through you've seen it you, you've got two years i think you know the first year obviously didn't get the, to the wins i got this year but it showed positive steps and then he's able to take this way i don't think this was like you know, uh, a Michigan State of Mel Tucker type thing where it's like, I've seen you for, you know, I met you in the hallway. Here's $10 million. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that one is kind of wild and crazy, still wild and crazy in my opinion. Uh, but hey, you got it taken care of. He's got it, he's, he's moving on that way. Hopefully he's investing wisely. Uh, mm. But we, we we said over under at 3.5. I mean, do you think, do you think he's got brighter pastures, bigger, bigger, you know, bigger stadiums uh, calling his name? Or you think it's, Tennessee fans, he he's had a couple of losses, missed out on a couple of things. Uh, I mean, uh, for, for the length of that contract, do you think do you think he's moving up or is he being relegated down? I'm saying down, down. Yeah, okay. yeah, I agree. Okay, wow. Okay, uh, here's their here's their schedule this year. Let's let's look. Let's go through uh -oh. it real quick. Okay, so the, okay, so they open with Virginia, then Austin P. Those are both at home. They go to Florida, week three. UTSA they host on the 23rd. Um, then they got a revenge game with South Carolina. They've got AM. This is so they've got in the first six weeks of the season, they play five home games. But then on the road at Bama and on the road at Kentucky, those are back to back. They get UConn, but then on the road again at Mizzou. Uh, and then two home games, Georgia Vandy. So I mean, so if eight, if you know wins? That, that's not exactly easy. <laughs> I think I think you know I think that that's a probably you'll probably see something like that uh, when the schedule make schedule comes out eight and a half probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you got some stuff here. I mean you got, but the thing is, I mean, man, who who did they almost lose to at the beginning of the season this year? Was it Pitt? Pitt in OT, yeah. Yeah, and, and then they were able to you know go on the run they went on to. They're losing out, you know, starting quarterback. All I mean, I, Yucky, you're right. But the thing is. They also brought in the number one overall player in the 23 mm -hmm. recruiting class. I mean, my assumption is that there's an apparatus around that coaching staff is making sure the recruiting does not fall off. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't have yeah. to worry about that at, at that point in time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. Or is the SEC just kind of like the place where, I don't know, it's, you know, like A&M, you're just spending all this money to do what? Win five games, win seven games. I mean, it's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But luck, luckily, we'll see a new and improved uh, Texas A&M Aggies offense um, <laughs> <laughs> coming this next year. Um, speaking of offensive coordinators, I don't know much about this, but this did happen on the Twitter sphere. Uh, Michigan letting go of its uh, co-offensive coordinator for hacking. I've, man, I already had I had the story up, and I've already forgotten about. I already forgot the dude's name. Uh, turns out he used uh, an official school computer to get into somebody else's email a student database emails it's it's a uh, uh, that's or, is that confirmed i didn't realize that well i don't know if it's confirmed it was like a yahoo article and it said uh oh okay a, a recruiting website had had was able to find it because they were looking for recruiting stuff so congrats on the recruiting sites <laughs> for uncovering actual news uh yeah um, but uh i can't but it, it said that it was probably linked to to, to some uh, some nature in that way 
Uh, I don't have much to add to that other than, man, that's just fucking wild. <laughs> I mean, he's been head co- he'd been coaching with Harbaugh for 12 plus years. And, uh, you know, he tweets out a thing and saying like, I- I'm looking forward to having this behind me and back on the path of football. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounded super nefarious in the beginning. Right. But I mean, yeah. you know, Michigan let him make a, you know, a, a statement through the school, I believe. Uh, when he left at uh, Tom Fernelli of CBS sports pointed that out. I mean, it can't be that, that nefarious, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's more of a garden variety hacking, I guess. <laughs> there is one of those, which uh, strangely, strange enough, but you know, I mean, just one of those weird deals and, you know, breaking, uh, breaking protocol. Yeah. It's one of those things like, yeah, it may not have been like super nefarious or whatever, but it's like, well, you did it. So you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 obvious. Yeah. All right, that's all I got on that one. Sorry, guys. Short topic on that one. Uh, a little bit juicier mm-hmm. one potentially. Uh, this one Alan brought up in, in the old Mac and kind of toss in here too. Uh, Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders, for almost you know Spencer Sanders ends up at Ole Miss. Uh, loaded QB room there. I don't see exactly why you'd head there unless you didn't have many options left on the table. Uh, I guess let's talk about that. Matt, what do you think about Spencer Sanders going to Ole Miss? I mean, you got Dart there. uh, Didn't the LSU kid also go there? Yeah, Walker Howard. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, I heard rumblings of, like, of what may have happened at at Oklahoma State. I mean, I'm not, like – I mean, you guys probably know know the same rumors I do. But, yeah, so apparently he he just had no other option. or he didn't have the option of going back to Oklahoma state if that, which I don't think really mm-hmm. are, is, I don't think really broke his heart that much, but once he saw, you know, the Walker Howard kid transfer to Ole Miss and I think that's where he wanted to go initially. And then I think, I think old Gundy was like, Nope, you're, you're not coming back here, man. Like you're, you're not coming back here. Uh, so yeah, well, I, do I think that he can win that job? Yeah, absolutely. I do. But I mean, it's, way more competition than he had at Oklahoma state way more. So I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised after the Howard kid went to or committed to, to Ole Miss that uh, we didn't see Auburn there. I mean, I had heard Auburn was in on uh, Sanders pretty big time. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think he can win that job, but uh, again, I mean, it's, it's just so weird. They went after two quarterbacks, when I, I don't know. I don't think Jackson Dart was great by any means, but I mean, I thought they had a good run, but they were running the ball a shitload. I know that. <laughs> <Old> Miss, <laughs> so they they weren't really relying on Jackson Dart that much. So I don't know. I, I hope Spencer Sanders does well there. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think that going back to Oklahoma state was, was an option for him. And I think that door was closed even if he wanted it back open. Yeah. I think you can still go to Eskimo Joe's though. And get like the Spencer Sanders chili fries. No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> of the NIL deal he had there, um, yeah, it, it, that part just seems so in, insanely strange to me. You've got one free year. This is it. You've got to, if, if you want to make the NFL or whatever, or, or why you're trying to apply your you know your wares at a different place to shine a bright you know in a brighter stage. You've got one shot at this, especially a Spencer Sanders type, who I do not believe is an NFL type of quarterback. But if you want to give yourself the chance to be, you know, Mr. Irrelevant or something like that, then you need to be in a spot where not only, you know, obviously Lane Kiffin's going to give you a QB friendly system. It doesn't matter if you're not playing. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the hard part there. I mean, Alan, if you were to put it just from like a, you know, a skill set slash like resource management of, you know, of your own to be able to showcase your own wares, I mean, how do you grade this type of move for Spencer Sanders? I mean, I know there's tons of reasons. We have no idea why. Maybe he just wants to hang out in Oxford, Mississippi with some money in his pocket. I, I could think of worse things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But as from a professional standpoint, I mean, what, what what do you think about the move? Well, I mean, let's say he's being, if he's being realistic about his pro potential, right? Uh, then, you know, I'm looking to cash in. Right. And now, yeah. like wherever I can get it, I mean, you know, and so like, I guess it really depends on what kind of uh, NIL deal he was able to secure from Ole Miss. Um, 
and you know i mean i think that's kind of been a lot of the frustration of osu fans is that you know i mean they don't necessarily have an nil program that is uh feel that they feel like will keep them competitive with the you know some of these other schools trying to poach their players um and, you know, i don't really know where else he was looking i mean you know uh, so in my mind if if he's trying if he was trying to cash in he if i would have gone where the, the best the best offer was that's that's kind of the way i the way i look at it i mean i i what i wonder though is do you do you guys think it was uh, if if he tried to come back at osu do you guys think it was a mistake on gundy's part not to let him return i think if if you were to say i'll try, i'll try to answer this in uh the quickest way possible uh i think it is not a mistake on gundy's part i think the offense was obviously hampered uh, by Sanders as much as it was as much as the offense was benefited by Sanders because he's kind of the one-man offense thing there too and I think you if you keep tethering yourself to that you don't have the ability to as we're kind of talking about OU potentially you know wishing them in the SEC you're just going to need to take your lumps and, and move through the system and, and set yourself up for the future so I was I think that's fine if you're just chasing wins you should have brought Sanders back he, he can win you you know, six to seven games in this conference. I think, you know, behind the system they ha- they have there. If your idea is we're moving on, we're changing a lot of things, you don't fit the direction of the future, you know, the program moving forward, you know, I think you made the right call. The issue is looking at Gundy's recruiting since then and <laughs> coaching hires since then, I'm not for sure if he's thinking about winning football games more than he's thinking about proving himself right. Um, and that might be a, a longer term uh, issue for the uh, folks up in Stillwater. I think that's a good point because I mean, yeah, if you're trying to win right now, you want Spencer Sanders on your team. Like, if, if you're Oklahoma State, he gives you the best chance of winning. Um, but with a guy with a lifetime contract and like basically all <laughs> like all the job security in the world, it seems like he can be like, no, we're gonna move forward and uh, you know try to get. The Rangel kid, I know they got Alan Bowman who who will probably start, but they got the Rangel kid and that, the Flores kid coming in the, in this uh, recruiting class that they're they're pretty hyped about. So, yeah, have Alan Bowman for a year and then have Rangel and Flores fight it out the next. Like I think that's just kind of kind of where it's at. But again, that's easy to do when you have a lifetime contract and you're just uh, you're just you're safe, man. You're safe. You're not worried about you know winning x x amount of games you're just trying to develop what what about you alan i mean you post the question yeah yeah see like in my mind uh, it's not about this season it's a or you know what or it's more just like you can't let you can't allow you know players to kind of hop in in into the portal to see if they can get a better offer somewhere else and then if they if they don't you can't then allow them to come back to the team because it just you it's not that that there's anything immoral about about that kind of a strategy on on the player's part or anything like that but it's more just like from a program management standpoint how are you going to if you if you allow that to go on that kind of in out in out thing you know i mean i think clearly what happened here like you guys mentioned is that sanders realized that the market for him out there wasn't what he expected or hoped for and you know so that made OSU potentially a palatable uh, place to go back to or returning there a palatable option for him. But like, imagine if, you know, he's, if, if, if Gundy wanted to replace Sanders through the portal, for example, uh, and then, you know, he let, you know, he's sitting there waiting to try to figure out if Sanders is going to come back or not. I mean, you know it's just the whole thing you can't you can't let that go you know especially given that you know other guys were prepping getting ready for the bowl game i mean those bowl practices are what you use to kind of springboard into the next season i mean all that stuff like i just to me i i think it's it's one place where coaches probably need to toe the line yeah i mean i I know you have a similar um uh, stance or thought process when it comes to Brent Venables and the official visits and all that type of stuff. I mean, I need to know what I'm playing with. I need to know what's in the hand. You know, it, you know if you're yeah. playing poker and people keep randomly pulling cards out of your hand, that's not going to work <laughs> in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Like, you need to know what's going on there. Uh, 
That said, I guess some positive news for, for Oklahoma State fans is uh, they hired the defensive coordinator, finally. Good on them. They were able to replace uh, uh, Mason, who's a step away. Um, when you you know when you can hire the defensive coordinator from Gannon University, <laughs> you, you've just got to. I mean, it's 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 just free real estate, man. It's just, it's right there. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anything about this. I think the last time he reached down pretty in the low level to hire that offensive coordinator, um, Mike Yersich. Who was that? Mike Yersich. No, who was the other one? The nah, Princeton. He guy. got the guy from Princeton. Yeah, yes. Sean, whatever that left. And that did not work out. Rutgers. No. Yeah. No. Gleason, Sean um, Gleason, was that his name? Gleason. That was his name. Gleason. And not a football name. Gleason. No. <laughs> uh, uh, nope. Brings in the guy from Gannon uh, University. This, uh, man, I don't know. I, I I don't, you know, obviously, Gundy is, I, I will give credit where credit's due. Gundy, historically, if you put all of his hires up against themselves, is a pretty damn good hire. I mean, he knows how to hire mm-hmm. people. Knows how to identify talent and knows how to get them onto the staff. He's had a, a little bit of a recent downtrend. Now, is it just a dip or is this an actual trend? <laughs> is this the new normal? Uh, will be interesting to see. And I think this is a an interesting hire because you got to think, hey, Jim Knowles was just literally one hire ago. <laughs> I mean, like he, uh, you know, he you know went to Ohio State after that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if if I'm no. It's a very to put a different word. It's a very interesting time to be an Oklahoma State Cowboys fan. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but at least it's pretty damn interesting. <laughs> uh, we're going to skip by uh, the uh, Florida QB. I think that's kind of a boring topic we had on here. Florida QB backs out of his NLI because if his NIL did not match up what he want. It looks like he's potentially circling Arizona State. I don't know if I can't remember if announcements actually made where he's going. Uh, for some other places, good on him. This is a, a, another thing why NIL can potentially be bad for your program. Uh, but something that is kind of interesting to me personally uh, is that the Oklahoma legislators uh, have introduced a bill, which was reported on by On3. Again, talking to Matt before we started recording, it's just kind of weird. We have like recruiting sites publishing stuff that state legislators are doing uh, but this bill basically would block the ability for student athletes to be considered employees by uh by state universities my assumptions that this was a reflexive uh bill introduction to what the state of california is introducing to its floor of mandating that uh athletes be considered employees to be recoup on that payment after they graduate uh, in good standing after four years, so that there's a little bit of a keynote on that one, uh, not exactly pay for play uh, year by year. Do we think, Matt? I'll toss it to you first. I, I, see, I see Alan kind of shaking his head, like thinking about Oklahoma law. Uh, <laughs> Matt, it, it, is this? Can, can you talk yourself into this being a good idea? I mean, obviously, the bill says bill states this is no way, shape, or form would impact NIL in any way, shape, or form. They just don't want the students to be on the, you know, on the pay, you know, on the docket for uh, uh, officially for the school system. Right. It feels it feels very Mark Emmert ish, right? <laughs> it's like just yes. so adamant, yeah. Yeah. so adamant. No, they are student athletes. There's a reason student comes first. Uh, it just, I don't know, man. All, all this stuff. It's still just also new that I, I don't know. I don't know like where, where it goes from here like and what's going to be good or bad. I know that at some point that I'm sure there are, they are going to become employees of the, of this, of the, the school at some point. Um, I just don't know if that's like 10, 20 years in the future. Right. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, especially for like football, we've, t- we've talked about before with like the breaking of like the breaking away from the NCAA, then I, yeah, then yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the schools would would probably pay for that, but I don't know, man. It just it, it feels like Mark Emmert's shadow is still over, you know, all this all this bullshit, man. It's crazy. What about you, Alan? I I know um, it, it just seems like it's such a strange thing to even just introduce, I mean, there seems like so many unintended consequences on both sides, so many unintended consequences. I mean, you look at like LSU, like uh, maybe unintended consequence for NIL is the gymnast from LSU. Every time they go on a road, they have to have security. 
<laughs> because mm-hmm. she's such yeah. a high performer uh, on you know TikTok and all that type of stuff. And it's like I'm sure they didn't expect this level of uh you know uh, of money flowing to these students uh, and to these athletes, uh, borderline professionals if not full time professionals. Uh, but do you think this is kind of a ham fisted way of of keeping the quote unquote sacredness of the student student athlete as uh, a <laughs> Cartman would say? Yeah, no, I don't think so at all. I think. I, here's what's going on, and, and it's something that I hadn't really considered, but Richard Johnson brought this up on Split Zone Duo a couple months back when uh, a lot there's a lot of talk about, oh, well, so are we, you know, or, you know, I think a lot of people who are reform minded look at all this and say, well, it's inevitable that they're going to become uh, employees of the schools. Problem being, like, it's not inevitable in every state, right? Like, I mean, you know, think about, you know, and, and Richard brought up the idea of all of Florida's athletes becoming employees. Well, now all of a sudden, what does that do to the size of your uh, staff at, at a school, at a state school like University of Florida? Like, you're telling me Ron DeSantis is going to be cool with adding that many new state employees to, uh, to, to uh, you know, kind of, uh, they're on the rolls in Florida. I mean, you think that Oklahoma is going to be that excited about the idea of adding more employees to expand the size, which is essentially expanding the size size of government, you know, state employees uh, in the state. I, so I, I'm assuming that's what this bill is uh, aimed at: is to prevent them, prevent you know them from actually becoming employees for that reason. Uh, then you know you have to go an alternate route then at that point and, and just make them full-time contractors or something like that. Yeah. I think the full-time contracting work is where it's going to go, or it's going to be something along the lines of you're able to detach the football program, you know, or, or you know, something along yeah. that line to where it's more like a, a subsist, you know, a, a, whatever I'm trying to say, something on the side that's not necessarily under the, you know, it's Oklahoma football LLC or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they license the brand and, you know, but they, yeah, spin off the programs. Yeah. That's, that's certainly possible. Uh, because anyway, other way to me, I think it, it does seem like this is just the in peak thing that's going. It just feels like that's just the way it's, it's going to end up moving because people aren't thinking about the unintended consequences of, of all this stuff. I mean, we already have, like I said, potential safety of students because CIL, you know, going through, you've got people being, I mean, there, there's so much roster turnover now for a ton of different reasons, you know, that NIL now is kind of pushing through and you're able to identify, and you're able to attract, and you're able to grab guys off other rosters uh, through back channels uh, much easier now. Um, it, it's kind of created a, a certain amount of chaos uh, to the thing, which is great for, I'm going to sound like an old man, <laughs> uh, an old man uh, who's, uh, you know, blue blooded to a certain degree uh, down here in Southeast Oklahoma. The NIL stuff and the player freedom stuff is great for the top 10% of the uh, college football players. If you've got the skill set to go through there and you can move this way, you know, you're, you're Nico at the University of Tennessee and your number one recruit, this is great for you. You're Bryce Young, this is great for you. You know, your star wide receiver at, you know, your Marvin Mims, you would have made some decent money. You, you would have got your 400,000. I believe that's what uh, Melzer said. He didn't say exactly. He said there's a couple of guys on the roster who's making a couple hundred grand, but that's about it on OU. Uh, that's pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty, pretty good. I think for the rest of the stuff, that's a little bit lower. You know, you're getting your 20K from like the big team deal, and then you might be not on the team, <laughs> uh, you know, as you're getting shoved around because, hey, you know, this, the university, the coaching staff's kind of working, identifying talent. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's, I don't know, it doesn't seem like the guys who put in the hard work, go to practice, do everything you said, but who might not just be skilled enough, I guess. It doesn't seem like that part of it is going to be uh, uh, as fair, quote unquote, as fair to that side of college football, if that makes sense. Um, um, now, maybe that maybe that's just kind of like, hey, it sucks to suck. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe it's that kind of aspect, but it does seem like something's, uh, I don't know. It just seems like something's kind of missing from it, um, uh, uh, from that side. When you can look around and say, hey, we're all in this together, uh, and and it doesn't seem the same that way. 
That said, I'm old. I do know college football players were driving new cars and stuff <laughs> by mysterious payments and stuff like that. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm um, kind of misreading that part of it. Uh, but on the other side of it too is, yeah, if this were to happen, I mean, Oklahoma State goes broke. I mean, I mean, what do you do? I mean, uh, not that I don't think that many schools can afford to pay that many guys that much, depending on how much money it is all the way through, like you said, on the state level and stuff. And a lot of these schools, I mean, a lot of these states, I mean, you know, in, in you know, intrastate funding of our local institutions are not as high as it used to be in the past. I mean, they have to kind of figure this stuff out on their own to a certain degree. And if you were to add that much onto the payroll and then add insurance and add medical and add all that stuff. Yeah. That that's, that's, that's tough business. That that's, that's kind of a hard, hard road. So, but it just seems like that's the way it's going to go. I mean, it seems like there's going to be a Supreme court decision about this stuff. Um, and uh, man, I, 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 I'm not for sure. I mean, Alan, if you, if you were given the, as Bill Simmons would say, you know, the czar uh, of uh, <laughs> college football, if you were the czar of college football, I mean, what do you, do you just spin off college football? Like you said, or just make them independent contractors. And, and that's, that's the best we're going to be able to get. Man, I have no idea. Um, I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I, I look at this as like all I know is that the the current system just isn't right. I I think that people like college football a lot, and if you know, I mean, I people like college football a lot. Yeah. I think that it will continue being you know existing as it is um so long as the nfl doesn't decide that it wants to form its own minor league um you know and i i think that uh the way it's going though is just done so unfairly there's got to be a better way to do it than this and you know i i you know i don't really i as much as for example like i think title nine is great and i think that Mm -hmm. it's done so much for uh you know, women's participation in sports. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to get rid of that. So, you know, figure out a way uh, to make all this work, uh, you know, comply with the law, and, but it cannot be this radical redistribution of, of uh, income and wealth anymore. There's got to be a better way to do it. Yeah. And it's just like what I mentioned again, like the unintended consequences stuff, they're going to make decisions and things are going to happen. You have no idea that's what was going to happen. I mean, that's something I learned about just recently, which sounds insane when you think about it. You know, the housing market bubble when it popped in the you know mid two thousands, late uh, late two thousands, caused uh, a, a, a shortage of milk production because it turns out that this is apparently true. They were able to quantify this: happy cows make more milk. And how you make them happy, one of the ways is to have more wood shavings in their pens and stuff, so they can sleep, be more comfortable. There's less houses being made. There's less wood shavings to throw at cows and stuff like that. And it all just kind of, it's a spider web that we just don't understand that happens this way. Um, you know, I, I was listening to a, a podcast about a, uh, um, the avian influenza that's hurting, you know, taking out the, the chickens right now <laughs> and causing your eggs to go super high. And they're like, yeah, if the, 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 the federal mandate is that if you get avian flu in one of your flocks, you have to put the whole flock down. You're talking about like 20,000 chickens all have to go down. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was a rule. <laughs> like, like that makes sense now, <laughs> but you just don't know, you know, then all of a sudden I'm paying eight, you know, eight, $9 for a packet of eggs. So <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a strange system with a lot of different tendrils that can change a lot of things about the sport. We all, uh, I mean, we have, we have a weekly podcast about it <laughs> that we all like a lot. So I don't know. Matt, you think college football's over? Is this going to stick around? No, I think it'll be all right. Uh, I think it'll be all right. Uh, hopefully for uh, for as long as we're alive. Hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, we've made it to the end of our list. Uh, Matt, Allen, do you got anything else we want to toss in here? OU basketball is dead and dying. They're both, OU basketball's both, dead, and both dying. dead and dying right now. Oh, man. They're currently losing by 14 right now to TCU. At TCU, they scored uh, eight Still in the points. first quarter? Uh, is Dylan Gabriel down? Half. Yeah, right. He <laughs> might as well be at this point. It's, my, it's basically the same exact thing that happened uh, in, in the football game. So uh, not good. Not good. Joe Lenardi had them in their fir- in his first team out right now. First team out of the tournament. Um, but 
fellas, I, I don't know. They're they're on a gonna be on a three game skid now. And there's just not many wins that you can pick up that especially when they yeah. dropped the the bedlam game. I don't know how many more wins they have to pick up. And especially that they got an on conference game coming up. And like we mentioned, I mean it's but now number yeah. two Alabama. So yeah. <laughs> you know it's a uh, Tough and getting tougher for the OU men's basketball team. Uh, so maybe next year they'll they'll get in the tournament. Yeah, they really really needed that game over the weekend yep. against Baylor, and yeah, yeah, losing that was that was harsh. Well, if we do want to light at the end of the tunnel, we I was able to talk to Andrew from Sooner Three Hundred and Sixty about what he considers will be the best collegiate softball team of all time in the uh, Oklahoma Sooners uh, twenty twenty three team. So book, you know, set, set the clocks. Uh, it's only getting better uh, on the little diamond out there. Uh, <laughs> Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems. Thing. So we have that going on. Uh, and then, you know, spring game and all that type of stuff. Uh, but if you guys want to hang out with us um, and have more of these things, uh, please join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. I'll be doing an interview with uh, Crown Vintage uh, this Friday to talk about how uh how he fi- started finding a bunch of OU gear uh and hooking uh re- OU recruits up during photo shoots uh, I was able to buy a, a cool little downtown Heisman Athletics uh, windbreaker for forty dollars uh the whole like mm. got the whole thing on it. it's pretty cool uh but if for you know short note if you guys see like Buddy Hield when he comes to Oklahoma came to Oklahoma City had all the throwback Sooners gear he got it from this guy uh, he also supplies all the big time recruits on the visit like the cool. 90s 80s OU jackets and stuff he's able to source that stuff out and it looks pretty cool so we're going to talk to him about that how he got hooked up doing it and uh I don't know, seems like a pretty interesting little dude uh but anything else uh i've been peyton guthrie that's matt allen thank you guys so much for joining us it's been fantastic uh and as always matt get us out of here boomer sooner <laughs> <laughs>